What's up, comic book fans? Anchor Pete here and Brian over there. Brian, we got a new background. You see Kamala Khan back there? I did. Very nice. Yes, we got some. We got a new show to talk about tonight. We got a trailer to talk about, and we have Obi Wan. And it's Wednesday. That's different, right, Brian? Oh uh, well, this is what we started with Wednesdays because you know, yes, we started doing you know with with Wandavision. I, I think it's what we started with anyway. Um, yes. So I mean that, that that was always the Wednesday delivery night. Which is yes, you know it, it's kind of weird that um, Disney is actually releasing two shows at once. Uh, I don't think they've done this before because even even like when um, uh, like Mandalorian and both did they, they didn't cross over with anything Marvel. Yeah, I don't think so. So that's interesting to me. I agree. I agree. I wonder what that says about Ms. Marvel. Like, do they think that? it's like not the same type of show do they think it's like a show for like preteens or something like that or teens you know they think it's not gonna do as well yeah maybe they think it's a different audience or maybe it's just that they they really needed to get obi-wan out on a specific day for star wars celebration and you know the the 30 no wait what anniversary does star wars has had 35th 35th yeah star wars the well, original one had- a New Hope had his 35th anniversary, right? I, I think it's 45th. Or 45th, yes, sorry. Yes. 77, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like, they're pumping all these shows out right now. And I know that COVID has messed up the schedule and the release of these things. I mean, it feels like Moon Knight just ended, which was like, what, like two or three weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And the reason why we're doing Wednesday night this week is because there's just a ton of content out this week. There is Ms. Marvel. There's Obi-Wan. The uh, Black Adam trailer came out. We're going to talk about that. But then there's also The Boys and, of course, Young Justice. So Brian and I are going to record on Friday, too, and we're going to talk about Young Justice and the first few episodes of The Boys. They dropped three freaking episodes. Yeah, I haven't even gotten through them all yet. I've gotten through two so far. So, Yes. I watched, like, the first... 30 to 40 minutes of the first one. That's it. Yeah, so, there's yeah. there's so much to take in in that show. And, uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's been a while since I've watched it. Uh, yes. It, it's been at least a year, uh, okay. if not more. Uh, I know you watched it a little more recently than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny, too, because it's so jarring watching the boys. Ba- like, if you watch the shows that we just watched today or, you know, the past couple of days, and then you watch the boys, they're, like, so different in terms of, like, maturity level and you know like what's actually happening in them but uh for tonight we are talking about episode four of obi-wan then we're going to talk about episode one of ms marvel and then finally we're going to review the black adam trailer so um for obi-wan brian did you think this is a pretty run-of-the-mill generic episode yeah, I don't feel like uh, I, I don't know where what, what this show's end game is anymore. Um, I, I previously mentioned that I really like the angle of Obi Wan's kind of like PTSD. Uh, they they again hammered home with that. Um, but other than that, this episode is really weird. Um, it's just like, hey, we're just a couple of people. We're gonna go save this kid, and, and they're not. He's not saying why. Like he, he didn't say. Uh, I mean, maybe he told him it was it was uh, you know Baylor Organa's daughter or something like that. But you know, um, I I feel like that these people are risking a lot to save one kid, and I know that their whole thing is saving people from the Empire. I mean, I mean yeah. Um, 
but it's it's like it's like hey this this place is is so is so ridiculously guarded that they don't even have a shield on it like <laughs> going there would be suicide and right no, we'll just go with two people <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's a lot like as far as like the logic goes about this episode that's off and kind of makes you wonder like you know did they really think this out like is this the most thought out kind of exciting episode you could have I, I want to address what you just said about these other characters they're all kind of connected to this thing called the path and um you know on this channel and on my anchor p channel i've kind of covered some of the dune books that were put out by like frank herbert's son and uh kevin j anderson and what happens with those books is they just kind of keep sticking things into the time that's not covered in dune and they just keep mining all the stuff that was in the original dune books and they try to like pump it up and they've been doing that with star wars for decades but i feel like with these new shows and stuff it's like they're really wedging stuff in there pun intended right and um basically with solo you had that um that militant group do you remember them i think they were called like infus nest or something like that no infus nest was the was the leader oh that was like okay okay yeah the, the one the, the girl that was also in the villain in uh or one of the villains in when uh falcon and winter soldier yes yes right okay okay so yeah so she was the leader of this like kind of rebel kind of group and the idea in solo was that that was sort of like the beginnings of the rebellion like that was just one kind of faction that would kind of come together to make the rebel alliance and i think that the path in this show is kind of like another little faction that'll probably kind of get absorbed into the rebellion my, my personal belief because you were asking about the end game for this show i do think that like vader and the inquisitors are just going to come in and just like slaughter everyone connected to the path and it's going to be very bleak um but i feel like any kind of survivors are just going to get absorbed into the rebellion because i don't think they're full rebellion yet right what would you say that yeah I, I don't think so but i was thinking more in the sense of that this is how leia grows up to be involved with the rebellion more so Hell yeah then uh then that that bleak kind of ending that you were just mentioning i mean for me the the question is is like how does darth vader forget about obi-wan uh, I mean, yeah. I guess he could fake his death or something. Yes. Um, I don't know. Like, there's, there's, there's a lot of questions for me. <laughs> yeah, well, so so you bring up Leia, right? And I, I messaged you because, you know, Brian and I often, like, kind of message each other little subtle, like, like little hints, but we won't full out say things before our show. And I said that there were two really embarrassing moments in this episode. And, and the very first one was with Leia. Um, you know, you have... Riva uh basically interrogating a nine-year-old girl and I I'm just sorry that that was just pretty difficult to watch man yeah it was very difficult to watch because I, I again like like I've said like I don't think that uh Moses Ingram is right for this role or something is just off with her energy and it's just not matching what it's needed or it's badly written or some horrible combination of all of those things I yes. uh, I, I don't think it works um I, I think it makes her even look her character look more incompetent the fact that she's grilling a 10 year old who doesn't <laughs> actually know the answers to the questions she's asking and they throw in a torture chair like with like, <laughs> like like uh you know saws and needles and shit like, yeah yeah what the hell, man? yes 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 um 
so I thought about this a lot because obviously the big debate is Moses Ingram and the racist comments that she got. And it's not a debate. It's just it's the topic that Twitter's talking about or the Star Wars fandom is talking about. Um, and you should see our thumbnail. Our thumbnail has Moses Ingram, then it has the actress that plays Ms. Marvel, and then it has The Rock. And I, I feel like there's just so many like conservative, comics gate, Star Wars fans, all these types just looking at that thumbnail and getting pissed off. But um, what I wanted to say was, though, is that they talk about how she's a Shakespearean actor. I bet you she's a phenomenal actress in other things. However, there are actors that kind of shine in genre stuff. And then there are actors that like, they just don't really fit in genre stuff. It doesn't really work for some reason. And you'll see specific actors. I was thinking of them. I was, I was kind of like thinking of specific ones that just pop in my mind. There's like Jeffrey Combs. Then there's the guy who plays, um, he, uh, Fuck the, you know, the, I mean, the you there are hundreds and thousands of, of great character actors out there doing great work all the time, you know, right, that's right. Shows like this need. I mean, they definitely need star power. And, and I understand why she was cast. Um, I mean, she, oh God, what was she in before this that was nominated? Um, I don't remember, but it's okay. I, I know that I, I understand. It's like, Hey, let's, let's cast this actress that was really good in this role i mean she, she's she's newer but you know let's just see what happens and i just don't think this gamble paid off yeah yeah like even if we we we're gonna go like with the race card and stuff there's actually actors that are black actors that are like sci-fi genre horror genre actors that completely sell it every time you know there's like keith david for instance he's often in genre stuff and he's fantastic right He's and fantastic then, in everything. Well, he's fantastic in everything. But I actually think I see him more in genre stuff than I see him in non-genre stuff, right? Yeah. And then another uh, actor, uh, Tony, what you know, Tony, Tony Todd? Todd. Yeah, Tony Todd from Candyman, right? He's also yep. in a lot of sci-fi stuff. Once again, black actor, but it's like it, it's the genre. Like some people just kind of get it, you know. And so it, I, I do think that it is the show's fault, though. It's the writing of the show. Because you have, like you said, you have an adult actor, like, interrogating a 10-year-old kid, like, it's an episode of fucking Homicide, Life on the Street. And they're about to, like, waterboard this little child, you know? And the kid doesn't even know. It's like, uh, uh, it's embarrassing. Yeah, like, I mean, I understand that there's no way she could know. Yeah. I mean, I I guess there is a way she could know. I mean, she she has force abilities. Maybe they're not fully developed. I don't know. Um, Yeah. But, like... It's just it's just a weird weird choice to put all your eggs in a interrogated ten year old basket, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say that like one thing that bothers me about shows like this, these MCU shows too, is that there's like certain beats that they have to hit, and they kind of stretch out things. Even when they're just six episodes or four episodes or whatever, it still can feel kind of dragged out. And I feel like this is mainly filler, so that you can eventually get to like the final battle with Obi-Wan and Vader. And so like, I I see why they did this. Like she plants the bug on the droid. Right. And it's like, okay, that's actually clever. I'm glad that she did that. It's going to lead them to the path. Right. Great. But they don't need to have a scene where she's interrogating a 10 year old girl. Yeah, they don't. And you know, they also didn't need to, I mean, you could argue that, that now the, the other, 
bad scene in this in this uh, episode was when um, they're escaping the, the base and Obi Wan is just walking with Leia in a robe, and oh. like no one no one stops them at all. Oh. Like, like come on, like you don't see like a, a like. It's like two kids in a in a trench coat trying to buy an R-rated movie ticket. Oh, like, come on, man! Yeah, um, and I mean, you could make the argument that, like, oh, maybe maybe Reva told them all to, to make it look believable and let them get away because I, I planted a tracker. But no, she didn't do that because Vader didn't know, and if Vader didn't know, <laughs> nobody knew. <laughs> it's, it's just, just so like embarrassing. The villains are just bumbling through this series. Yes, yes. It's it's so embarrassing. Like you you stole the joke of the two kids in the coat and the, oh great my dog's barking at my wife coming home. But like the the two kids sneaking into the movie theater. I'll take one ticket please to basic instinct. But this is fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi, this iconic you know Star Wars character's iconic film character coming in and oh yeah, that was that was real. You can see her little feet. It's not like he's even like holding her up. You see her little yeah. feet coming out of the trench coat. Yeah, that that was the other embarrassing moment for those of you guys tracking at home too. Yeah. So, um, um, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, there there were some interesting things in the episode, though. Uh, I'm very curious about that kind of you know mausoleum of, of dead Jedi in the in the basement uh, with the roll case in amber. I mean, if, if they're even, I'm assuming they're dead. Uh, I'm I'm curious as to why they're there if that factors into anything moving forward. Um, and then. I don't know what this show does in two episodes. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess there's got to be another Vader Obi Wan fight, but I, I I don't see how he could be ready for that in two episodes. I mean, does yeah. it end just getting Leia back to to Alderaan? I mean, what stops the Empire from 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 going after an Alderaan? <laughs> yeah. So like, the I mean, at first I was very happy to see Obi Wan back and doing something because I really liked Ewan McGregor in the role, but now it's just like they're they're doing too much and putting too many questions out there. There's too many weird inconsistencies with the existing story now because of the show so far, and I can't see them answering or following or tying up any of them, let alone all of them. Yeah, I I completely agree. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I didn't even think about is like why don't they just go to Alderaan now and go after her because obviously she's connected to this group, yeah. right? So. Um, I feel like they will have to address that on some level. I don't know how they're going to do it and make it sound credible. But, I mean, once you have a scene where there's a Sith Inquisitor interrogating a 10-year-old girl, and then you have another scene where they're, they're sneaking her out, like, in a little cloak. Oh, man. Like, it, it you know, it's just not going to reach those points that you want to reach. The show had a lot of promise for the first three episodes. But I think that it's kind of interesting because, like, when you watch the trailer, they, they made it seem like it was really going to be on Tatooine. And um, that, like, Luke was going to be in it. But I, I don't think Luke is really going to be in this that much. I think they really went all in on Leia. No, I think um, they couldn't have Luke be in it because Luke does not know anything about him at all in A New Hope. Um, yeah. And it, it's extra clear there. I, I mean, you can imply that Leia doesn't either, but Leia at least has his name and knows where he is. Yeah, there. Luke does not even know of his existence. Like, I mean, um, so I, I think it makes more sense that it's Leia than it is than Luke. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because like after every episode, 
there's just so many people on Twitter trying to like kind of make up for all the gaps that are now being created. And they're like, well, this points out to this in A New Hope, right? And um, one of the points I really liked was when Luke goes to rescue Princess Leia in A New Hope, he says, I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm here to rescue you. And um, she's like, who? Like, who are you talking about? And then uh, he says, I'm with Ben Kenobi. And then she says, Ben Kenobi's here? And she's like real excited about that name. So I think that kind of works based on this show. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then one, one other point that you made too was you were talking about like the Jedi that were like in that amber that were kind of like frozen in place or whatever, um, the dead Jedi, including the dead youngling. Um, a lot of the things in the Star Wars comics and probably in the books too um, go into detail about like sort of getting power from the dark side and like sort of doing horrible things to become more powerful. Like with Darth Vader, the whole reason why his castle is on Mustafar, where like Anakin Skywalker was so horribly injured, uh, is like it kind of like makes his it like strengthens his anger and his fear, you know. So I think that there's probably something about having those Jedi preserved like that that probably like strengthens the Inquisitors, you know. Interesting. Okay. I don't know, and it's kind of funny too because like the Inquisitors like you were saying before are kind of come off as these like kind of incompetent characters, but it kind of makes sense too. Right. Because like they were always this sort of like, you know, B level Jedi or C level Jedi and they weren't taken out during the order 66. And so like yeah. they basically joined this group to sort of survive. And uh, I, it kind of makes sense that they're kind of incompetent, not necessarily badasses, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, Star Wars has a history now of, of, you know, hyping up these kind of groups and then failing to show them properly. Like, you know, the whole, they, they built up the Knights of Ren and the, and the sequels and just what, what the hell is that? Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars is like really good at hyping up bad villains. You know, I mean, that, that sounds stupid. Like making villains look like real badass and then they're nothing. Like you said, yeah. like Darth Maul is kind of like the ultimate example of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But then with this kind of stuff, like the TV shows and stuff, they've actually made him better. Like they've expanded upon him too. But. Yeah, they've, they've used him a lot in the uh, in, in the animated series, um, and yeah. it, which I have not watched. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta get around to watching all that shit and like the Bad Batch and Rebels. Yeah. So, uh, did you have other stuff you want to say about Obi Wan? I uh, I don't think so. I think I'm good. Okay. All right. Good. It just I think it was just sort of a, a snoozer of an episode and. Uh, I actually was much more excited about this show, Ms. Marvel, number one. What would you think? Yeah, I was excited about it because I, I kept seeing headlines and how good it was and, and all that. And, and I kind of agree. It was really good. Mm -hmm. uh, it feels like, uh, you know, we always say that Marvel likes to take their characters and mash up, mash them up with some various genre. And it feels kind of like a teen coming of age dramedy comedy. Maybe felt a little bit, uh, you know, uh, some commonalities with, with the, the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. With the high school stuff um yeah. but I, I i thought it was really good i liked every character i um you know I, I, how is her name pronounced iman Vellani. oh yeah uh iman Vellani. yeah I yeah that's right absolutely fantastic in the role yes um, and uh i i've liked everybody so far um yeah so it, it's it's good i mean i don't know that much about the character uh she she is very new the the I mainly read her in um, in the the Champions team team book, and right. um, and I read an older version of her in uh, Exiles. 
Oh, okay. Old man, old, old man, old lady Kamala. Yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. It was very like Terminator esque, which was kind of cool. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know what I don't know who her villains are. I, I have no. I mean, I, I knew, I know she's Pakistani. I know she's in Jersey City, uh, and I know she's a you know she's kind of like a fangirl. But that that's really it. Yeah. Well, um, I'm actually a real big fan of Kamala Khan. I uh, think I even put her in my top ten for Marvel characters. Often, like for wow. Marvel heroes, she, I've I've always liked her book, like since it first came out. And uh, G Willow Wilson is the writer. She was the original writer on the title. And um, we talked about the boys earlier. I feel like the show kind of reminds me of the boys, where it's very similar to the comic, but yet they've changed certain things. And I think that maybe they've changed it for the better. Um, I actually like the parents a lot better in this. I like uh, Bruno better in the show. And I also like her brother too. Like the supporting cast are, are just sort of more fun and engaging than they are in the comic. Now in the comic, I like, okay. So in the show, I feel like they really play up the fangirl aspect that's in the comic too, but like they really yeah. play it up in the show. They yeah. really make it like this teen daydreamer thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I really liked it. There was tons of different pieces of comic art, existing like real world comic art, just on our walls, various costumes and, uh, and other things. And it was cool to see that. And, um, you mentioned G Willow Wilson. And I, I, there was a name played on, on of her school that it had a bunch of the, the characters creators listed on there. Nice. Uh, I, I only noticed G Willow Wilson. I noticed Jamie McKelvey, uh, who had some, uh, costume design input, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, um, the other person that took over, like after G. Willow Wilson, it was uh, Saladin Ahmed. And like, obviously this is a Muslim character. Uh, she's Pakistani. You know, she's she's not your typical Marvel superhero in that regard. And I think that in the comic, one of the main differences from the show is I think that there is more of a, a reverence for like the religious aspect or like the political social aspect of muslim culture in this show you know they they kind of say things they they like use like terms like uh you know muslim terms or whatever but like that part's kind of absent and it's, it's just more about like you know you have this these immigrant parents that are like restricting their daughter and then you have this girl who's got her head in the clouds and they're really kind of leaning all into that for the show you know yeah absolutely i mean it, it's a very um kind of typical coming of age story uh you know the, where, where the parents are trying to be overprotective of their kid and they kind of go a little, a little too far but they they mean well and you know the kid thinks they're ruining our life you know yes and and honestly that story alone was entertaining enough in this first episode it like, was and you know what like it gave me flashbacks of my own youth you know uh, i guess 30 years ago now um, <laughs> You know, it, like I felt it, like I, I felt like embarrassed for her. You know, like yes, I mean that's the scene where um where her parents walk in uh, with, with the whole costume on was hysterical. It was great. And, yes, uh, but I felt I felt for her. You know, like I'm like no, the, the, like like I, I could probably I, I can't think of any specific example in my own life, but I mean something like that definitely happened to me at some point in my life. As I'm sure as happened to everyone. Yes, yes. I mean, really great point. There's those kind of situations where your parents are like, okay, we're going to give you something that you're asking for, even though we don't really approve, but then we're going to give you this big restriction. And so like their restriction was, you know, you can go to this convention, 
but you can only go for like two hours and your dad's going with you. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay, great. I'd rather not, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, you can go ride your bike with your friends, but here, here's this like goofy looking bike helmet or something like right, that. Right, right. Nobody right. wore and you should wear a bike helmet. And I, I totally understand that now as a parent. So the, yeah. I don't want to put that kind of, you know, bad energy out there. Right, right. Or, or like, you know, it's kind of funny. We're kind of showing a little window into our youth, but like, you know, or like, oh, you can go out on Friday night, go out with your friends, but you have to be home by 930. You're like, oh, yeah. okay, awesome. Yeah. You know, your friends are out till midnight. You're like, I got to go home now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, but here's the thing too, you know, my, my daughter uh, just got home from the water park. That was all that noise. If you guys are listening on the podcast and stuff, but um, what do you call it? Like, I think this would be a great show for my daughter to watch. Yeah. You know, and like and my daughter, she's 11. She's going to be 12 soon, but we haven't gotten her phone yet. So like, I even kind of understand things from like the parents perspective too, you know? Yeah. But um, you mentioned the comic art. Uh, one of the things I really liked, and, and one point that you made that I totally did not even think about, I think that's a great point, was that it kind of blends in with Peter Parker's stuff in like the Spider-Man movies, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Like, how old is Peter Parker supposed to be in like No Way Home? Um, like a I, high school senior, right? I would imagine a senior, yeah. There's this some blurriness where i mean I, I would imagine he was a different grade in, in each uh in each movie um but as to which one it started with that i'm not really sure but maybe maybe it was sophomore junior senior or some combination of of the of that yeah because i mean like he's talking about going to college in yeah, no way however, and then at the end of the movie he's moving out in his own apartment so i imagine he's at least graduated from high school yeah 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 so like that's kind of weird to think that like the MCU Peter Parker is just like two or three years older than the Kamala Khan, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still, we always talk about how ages and comics are, are weird because they're perpetually a certain age. Um, yeah. I mean, to me, I think most of the heroes that I, uh, you know, the most famous heroes are, are probably in their early to mid thirties. Yeah. But I think, realistically like spider-man is probably still in his 20s oh yeah oh yeah in, in current comics yeah. uh, which just boggles my mind with the amount of things that have happened and, and all that it just makes no sense um right. but yeah it's weird it's like kamala here is um i mean it, it seems like she's at least in high school maybe she's a yeah. freshman you know um you could argue also that you know she she didn't get blipped so, you know, maybe Peter should have been older, but he isn't. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah. That's interesting. But, like, you know, she's a fan of his, too. And, you know, they've had interactions in the comics, and it's just weird. I mean, he still could technically be a mentor figure because he is more experienced. But what is he? He's he tops three, four years old, three years, three or four years older. Tops. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a really good point. He, He's been through a lot in the MCU, too. And, I mean, he's been into space and stuff like that, fought against Thanos and everything, too. So, yeah, absolutely. And um, with that being said, um, you know, there's this big focus on Carol Danvers in the beginning of this episode, right? There's this little montage. It's like a YouTube video that uh, Kamala made of Carol Danvers. And, um, you know, obviously, Spider-Man, they show him being a big focus of the media and stuff in no way home and in his other movies too but then with carol danvers there's this weird kind of idea of like well how much does the general public know about 
like Thanos and the Infinity Stones and like Carol Danvers, you know, like it, it's interesting to think about like, what is, what does the public know about all this stuff that we know about? Yeah. I mean, I, I think they have to know about Thanos. I think there was like, they've, they've shown, they've seen, shown a lot of people mentioning him before. Uh, I think they've yeah. even mentioned it on the news in, in various uh, scenes and other shows, but okay. um, Carol specifically, I'm not sure. I mean, we have to take into consideration that she uh, she does leave the planet a lot, so she's not always there. But at the same time, she didn't get blipped. So yeah. at five, during that five-year period, maybe she was there more, um, or maybe her presence was more felt there. Um, but it, to me, it's odd because it seems like she's off-world more often than on-world. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's kind of more like Peter Quill. Like Peter Quill's totally in space and doesn't go to Earth at all, but she's more like him where it's like pretty much her adventures are in space. Like Carol has teamed up with the Guardians in the comics and stuff and I I feel like for the sake of the character they should have maybe had her be with the Guardians and, and you know, maybe like I mean maybe they will tie her up to the Guardians somehow, but I I you know, that's the whole thing is too I, I I'm not sure how popular Brie Larson's Captain Marvel is in general. Yeah, um, I I think I like your idea a lot, but I think that what they could do with her is have the next incarnation of the Guardians team based around her. Okay, because we know that they're they're essentially disbanding the first group for the most part. Um, I imagine there'll be some deaths and some or something like that in, in Guardians Volume Three, um, and then you know. Whether or not any of those characters stick around is up, up for debate, but uh, you know, I, I could absolutely see m- melding that with some other cosmic characters and and Carol because they're they're putting her out there, saying that she's out there all the time. So, uh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, look at this. Uh, we got a comment too from uh, I believe it's Jonathan Edwards saying, yep. "Sup, boys," but he he missed our whole Obi Wan conversation. Oh, yeah, I, I got to hear what he has to think about that. I don't know if you watched it yet, though, because it was only today. Oh, okay, okay. So maybe, yeah. maybe it's better you didn't hear us uh, talk about it. <laughs> yeah, your point. So, all right, so then let's keep going with, um, what do you call it, our uh, Ms. Marvel. So um, as far as Carol Danvers goes, we've seen her in a couple of things. We've mainly just seen her in the Captain Marvel movie. And then she's in the, like, the post credit scene for, what? Oh, like Thank the post credit scene for the Captain Marvel movie is her going back to Earth because Nick yeah. Fury called her. Yes. Right? So then she's in Endgame and then she's in like the post credits for Shang-Chi. Yeah. And I think that's Shang-Chi, it. Right? Yeah. yeah. So they haven't really shown much about her in general. And then um, as far as Monica Rambeau, we've only seen her in. Uh, uh WandaVision, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so then like because this is ultimately all leading up to the Marvel's movie, which is supposed to come out in 2023. And like I'm just wondering how they're gonna tie all this together. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think the the root of this is gonna be um which was initially one of the most controversial aspects of the original trailer of the show is um how Kamala gets her powers. So yeah. Obviously, in the comics, she's an inhuman. She has kind of like stretchy powers, uh, or she embiggens, as she often says. Um, yeah. And in this, they've changed it to be a sort of bracelet, which to me feels like a nod to um, 
uh, Quasar and the quantum, and his quantum bands, the Warnega bands. Um, not a hundred percent sold on that. I, I'm kind of teetering back and forth between if it's if it is related to that, or um, you know, you mentioned in, in the notes you wrote, um, there was a scene where she kind of like falls into this cosmic looking place, and there's this crowd of people with these glowing eyes. Yeah, um, I'm wondering if if they're gonna they can somehow tie this into the Cree still, um, right? And you know, it's a Cree artifact uh, that that her, her grandmother had. Or I mean, maybe maybe she's part Cree. Who knows? Um, right. And, and I don't know which way they're going to take it, but I, I think either way is interesting. And yeah. Fine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, that they seems... obviously needed to distance themselves from the uh, the, the terrible Inhuman show. So yeah, <laughs> right. Which is so weird because they have Black Bolt in Doctor Strange, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, yeah, that was that scene where she like kind of falls down, and then we see that whole like city block worth of people of uh with like those glowing purple eyes that was absolutely the most intriguing part of the whole episode i'm wondering where they're going to go with that uh i do think you're right i think it'll be some kind of kree thing because captain marvel is so connected to the kree in general uh john also said one other thing but i think you might have bounced he said i was watching obi-wan okay well i think maybe he wasn't watching ms marvel though but um but yeah, I think that that's how they're going to kind of connect all the characters together, like, you know, Monica Rambeau and Kamala Khan and then Carol Danvers for the movie itself. Um, but then the, mo the mom even said, Kamala's mom said something to the effect of, I come from a line of like dreamers or people with their heads in the clouds. And so I think that like she might be the descendant of someone that was Cree. Yeah, right. I uh, the other thing too is when that box got delivered from her grandmother, um, you know, the mom kind of like looked at it concerned and had uh, had the brother bring it up, like hide it up in the attic or something like that, so Kamala wouldn't go go near it. So, I mean, yeah. there's definitely something up with that and, and their their past, and uh, I'm curious to see where they go with it. Um, beyond that, though, like, is there is there a villain? I mean, is the villain just going to be damage control looking for her, um, with the, the post credit scene or? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's a really good question. That I didn't even realize that that guy was from Damage Control when we watched Spider-Man No Way Home. That's uh, Arian Moyad or Moyed. He's the actor that they showed at the end there. Um, I know him as um, uh, what's his face? Oh fuck, uh, the guy from Family Guy, Stewie. He he's Stewie on the show Succession, and I was like, oh, that's him. But um. He, yeah, he was in Spider-Man No Way Home. He, in, in the MCU, he plays a guy named P. Cleary. And I feel like that's it's kind of an awkward name, you know? Yeah, a little bit, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was P. Clearly at first. I was like, yes, he drinks a lot of water, you know? But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but so I didn't even know that there was a Department of Damage Control. And that's, of course, a reference to the comics. Um, you know, Damage Control... And, and really that, that's another connection to Spider-Man, too, because that, that's when we first saw them show up, was yeah. uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, I, I don't think that they're going to be like the main protagonist. I think you will see some sort of like com a character from the Ms. Marvel comics show up. Um, th there was one point when she was like looking through her like a scrapbook or something and she saw a or she was looking through a chest and she saw a picture of a, a boy and, and she recognized the boy. Do, do you remember that? Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. At one point in the comics, there's this guy who's like a love interest for her. And I think she kind of like grew up with him and he ends up like kind of betraying her. So I bet you 50 bucks 
that's that boy that she looked at the picture okay. of and remembered. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, the Ms. Marvel comic is kind of weird. It, it's kind of like almost like Grant Morrison kind of weird sci-fi, you know, off the wall kind of stuff in it too, where the characters aren't necessarily scary and threatening. They're more just like random and strange. And so I think that maybe she'll have a couple of villains like that in the show. I mean, who knows? Yeah. The Marvel stuff doesn't get very strange besides like multiverse of madness. Right. And so, um, and some of the stuff that's in the guardians movie. So I think that, you know, maybe they will just have one main protagonist, but antagonist, but it'll be one from her comic. So. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know any of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, she's had like a whole bunch of people guest star in her comic. And it's kind of funny because like, you usually have guest stars in comics because you want the book to sell more copies so you have Spider-Man show up, and he's been in her book a whole bunch. Wolverine's been in her book a whole bunch too. So she she's gotten around. Like she she definitely knows like all the regular Marvel characters. Yeah, uh, well, it'd be crazy if Wolverine shows up. Oh my god, that'd be so awesome. That'd be so. That'd awesome. be the weirdest way to introduce Wolverine. I think that. I know, I know, but it, this one issue that Wolverine shows up in, he's it's a really great story that G. Willow Wilson wrote. Uh, Loki actually has hung out with Ms. Marvel a lot too. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think Loki will show up in this show, but that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, did you have other things to say about Ms. Marvel? Yeah. Actually, one more thing I want to bring up, too. Um, I, I really like the uh, how this show was presented. There was a lot of uh, how they presented her daydreaming, all the art in the walls and the, the moving mm-hmm. art. Um, the, the, tech, the text conversation was awesome. I loved how they did that with the, with the neon lights in the stores and, all, and the camera moving up to the building and then all the lights. I thought that was really cool and creative, and I hope they they can keep up that amount of uh, creativity going forward too with, with in, the, in the other episodes because it really made it it was very stylized and it really made it stand out a lot to me. Yes, I'm so so glad you brought that up because I usually like to talk about the behind the scenes stuff on whenever we start a show, and so the showrunner for this one is Bisha K Ali, and she is a British Pakistani uh, stand up comedian and a screenwriter. She wrote an episode of Loki. She wrote on the show version of Four Weddings and a Funeral. And uh, she was a producer on the show The Baby, which if you guys like the show The Baby, go on over to my other channel, The Last of Cast. Danny did a review of like every episode of The Baby that was on HBO Max. Um, I gotta watch that. She's the showrunner. And then the directors for at least this first episode, they are like a duo and they go by Adil and Bilal. And that's Adil L... Uh, Arby and Bilal Fala, uh, who are Belgian film and television directors, but they're of Moroccan descent. And um, they've made some movies that I don't know, such as uh, Image, which came out in 2014, Black, which came out in 2015, and Gangsta, which came out in 2018. Don't know about any of these movies. Yeah. But they also did direct Bad Boys for Life, the third oh. bad movie. So I didn't see that, but honestly, watching this first episode makes me want to go see those other movies. Yeah, definitely curious. Because it, it, it had that sort of like um, Simon Pegg. No, not Simon Pegg. Uh, the fuck is director of uh, Shaun of the Dead? Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, yeah. It, it kind of had a little bit of that Edgar Wright energy to it. it it's, it's more of like a European thing where like the camera's moving a lot and there's like, you know, kind of heightened emotional like looks on the characters and stuff. There's a lot of that in this, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, just like super creative. It kind of reminded me of Scott Pilgrim versus the world a little bit. 
Yeah, I, I got some vibes of that too. I was trying to. I feel like there's some there's some te- teen coming of age comedy that came out within the last like maybe five or six years that that did things like that, but I, I can't remember what it is. Mm. Was it in theaters? Like, I don't know if it was in theaters or not. I I I kept thinking Edge of Seventeen, but I don't think that's it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. I know that like the, the Disney Plus has like a lot of like kind of teen movies and stuff that come out that are like original movies. And Pepper will kind of watch stuff like that sometimes. And it gives me that kind of vibe. Like, this show kind of reminds me of that. Like, I saw a comment on Twitter. I reference Twitter every five minutes on here. But, like, one of the people said that, like, maybe the reason why the show is so good is because Disney knows how to put out content like this, of, like, a girl, teenager, coming of age. And so that's why this works, you know? It is the wheelhouse, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad you brought up the uh, – the, the actual look of the show because I thought the directors did a fantastic job. And yeah. I just like you, if they're able to keep that up for the whole show, you know, I'm, I'm on board. Yep. Uh, there are six episodes. It is considered a mini series, but I think it's all pretty much like we said before, a lead up to the Marvel's movie. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah. All right. So now let's talk about the movie that you've said was never going to come out. Yes. The, this was on my list. This goes back. This was rumored going back to 2006. 2006? 2006. Yes. You, you mentioned here that, that The Rock was attached to it officially in 2014. The rumor mill started that they were building this movie and he was going to do it back in 2006. This Holy was the movie shit. that I, I, I would believe it when I saw it. And, you know, I, I would eat my hat or a sock or some crap. Um, and I guess it's actually going to come. So oh, I, man, you got you gotta eat his sock now, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to eat that Star Lord, right? Something's gonna happen, and I have to eat a Star Lord too, right? I don't. What? <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember, like last episode, I was like, if this doesn't happen, I'm gonna eat this Star Lord. Remember? Uh, I, I, I don't actually, but I, I, oh, I don't, man. I don't want you to eat a Star Lord. <laughs> okay, okay, I don't want you to eat a sock either. Okay. So this it's movie is actually coming out. It was but 2006. That blows my mind. That's like before the Dark Knight came out. Yeah, that predates the MCU. Yeah, wow, crazy. Okay, well, you know, Black Adam is a character that's gone back way further than that. He is from, uh, you know, the Golden Age. Came out in December of 1945. He first appeared in the Marvel Family number one back when Shazam was called Captain Marvel, and in some kind of weird alternate universe. Shazam would have got, or Captain Marvel would have gone on to be a bigger hit than Superman, and like Superman would have faded in the background. But basically, that didn't happen. They uh, DC sued Fawcett Comics because Shazam was such a ripoff of uh, Captain Marvel, such a ripoff of Superman. It, it's funny. You know? I, I just, I just, I just uh, fact fact dropped this that little story, the tidbit there, to our mutual friend Danny because he was he made a comment about. Why, why is DC putting out movies with Superman, Shazam, Black Adam will all essentially have the same power set? And then I had to put, you know, say, oh, because this is... And I said exactly what you just said, so... <laughs> well, I think, okay, so that kind of brings up a note I had towards the end, but it's a note that's kind of interesting for me. Because, okay, all this information I got is from the Wikipedia, right? So who knows? Could be full of shit, right? Yep. But in the wiki, it says that he's getting his powers from the Egyptian god. And I think that's really interesting, right? Because, like, Shazam's power set is from, like, the Greek gods, right? For the most part? Yes. 
right? Like each letter in Shazam stands for like a you know a god, like her and, and not just gods, but like demigods and shit too, but like Hercules and Zeus and you know. Um yes. and I think he kind of Black Adam is supposed to have the same power source as Shazam. Yes, in the comics, yes. Um and, and, well in, in the original Fawcett comics, he was a uh a, like a corrupted predecessor to Captain Marvel, and you know, he was a villain. And I, I kind of wonder if that would have been a better way to introduce the character and then give him a spinoff. Yes. Um, it, it, it's almost like, to, to me, this almost feels like having Venom separated from Spider-Man and in, in the right. Venom movie. But uh, I mean, I'm hoping that they'll do better, a better job here. Cause I, I think there's more to go on. Um, yes. Character, especially with the, yeah. with the JSA. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's, that's kind of suggesting that we, we're really going all in on the world building. We're really trying to make it a part of a bigger picture, whereas Venom still does feel like it's just its own thing, uh, no matter how much Sony's trying to expand it. But, like, um, Black Adam is Tethadom, and they kind of talk about his origin in this trailer. He says, I died and I came back, like, with the powers of a god. So if you even just look at this wiki for the movie, it kind of, the wiki even contradicts itself a little bit. They say that the wizard Shazam gives him his powers, too. So I guess we're going to see Digimon Hansu in this movie as well. I, they didn't show him in the trailer, that's for sure. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I feel like if they're talking about the Egyptian gods, I think they're going to make this set completely separate. Um, completely separate. Yeah, uh, it, it, which I think is fine, I guess, if, if they're going to do this separate route. Um, it would be kind of weird to to mix them in that way. Um, I, I, I think I still would have preferred... The, uh, him to the character to appear in Shazam first, but you know, um, it makes sense that because they're not going that way, they'll make it a little bit different and, and have it stand out a little more. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know, and, and it's interesting too because like the movie Shazam came out in 2019, and that feels like a fucking lifetime ago. I think it was like you know, before COVID, you know, before we kind of really knew about COVID, right? Yeah, before time. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And everything has been pushed back and delayed. And I know that we are getting a Shazam 2. Um, and I know that's called, like, the Wrath of the Gods. And I know that, like, um, uh, Selma Hayek, I think, is playing one of the gods in it. Oh, I and, didn't know that. Yeah, there's, like, two female gods. The other one is Helen Mirren. I know it's definitely Helen Mirren. I thought it was Selma Hayek, but maybe it's someone else. Um, then they're both playing, like, female goddesses that are going to fight Shazam, I guess. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's some weird-ass casting, right? And, and I was trying to think of, like, like because they kind of teed up the idea of um, Mr. Mind being, like, they showed him in the post-Christ scene. Yeah, post yeah. Post yeah. 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 and, and, and I, mean, I know I'm all over the place, but I'm, I'm just kind of excited about this. I actually am not really excited about the movie itself. I think it's just going to be kind of generic and ultimately forgettable. But I am excited about the idea of, like, bringing these characters onto the screen, you know? Yeah, no, I, this feels like it, it has it has the potential to have the best world building of any of these DC movies yet. I think that's yeah. the exciting part. I mean, the, you know, DC Comics is all about legacy, and they have not really done a great job with that yet in the movies. So Not at all. This, this feels like it's going to hit the mark on that, at least. Yeah. Yeah, and, and JSA is all about legacy. I looked up the individual characters on the wiki and they were saying that like um, Aldous Hodge, who's playing uh, Hawkman, he's playing the Carter Hall version of Hawkman because there's so many different versions of Hawkman. Yeah. And 
in his description on the wiki, it says he's the reincarnation of an Egyptian prince. Uh, so that's just one version of Hawkman where he's like a reincarnation. He's been reincarnated multiple times. Um, I'm wondering if when they show the scenes in like ancient Kandak, if they'll they'll show like the Egyptian prince back then too. So they'll have that kind of connection. Yeah, that would be cool to see. Uh, and it's a good way to, to show, you know, how they know each other and and all that. And hopefully it'll be better than um, how they did it on Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. Not, not that Hawkman was bad, but um, Ben Savage was bad in that. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you think that um, they're going to do that kind of lame thing, which I think they did do on Legends of Tomorrow, where it's like the ancient Egyptian version of the person looks like the modern day version of the person? Uh, yeah, maybe. I kind of hate when they do that. I, I like it when it's like a totally different looking person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and what do you think of Hawkman's costume? Uh, more more red than I expected. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like it needs some green in there. But, I mean, the wings look cool. Uh, I mean, he's got his mace, of course. But, I mean, other than that, I'm, I'm curious as why they went red and gold rather than any green. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, what about like dr fate and uh adam smasher wow did i just say smasher <laughs> uh yeah i mean adam smasher's comic uh comic costume was, was good i didn't really get a, a that clear of a view of dr fate but i mean um it looks looks fine to me maybe a yeah. little a little too shiny but you know i i like the the more muted yellow than mm-hmm. than gold for it yeah. um but you know that that's fine yeah um so pierce brosnan's playing Dr. Fate, which I think that's great, like, to have that kind of level of actor for this yeah. character, you know, who could easily, like, you could write off Dr. Fate very easily. People would be like, oh, he's like Dr. Strange, rip off, even though Dr. Fate came out first. Um, but I was going to say that he plays the Kent Nelson version of Dr. Fate. There's many different versions of Dr. Fate as well. Um, and then in the wiki, it says that he um, was, like, an archaeologist that discovered the helmet. So... It's just it's it's always interesting how they choose to introduce these characters that like have been around since like World War Two, and it's like well, well, which version do we put? How old do we make them? And so you know, it seems like they're all kind of like contemporary people, like they're all from the modern era, you know? Yeah. And we didn't even see like Cyclone in the trailer at all. Uh we, yeah, you started using her powers, I think. Yeah. So yeah. um, but but we we saw we saw a shot of her in the um. And I, and yes, I'm I'm saying her because uh, they, they they did a gender swap, I believe. Uh, but we saw in the teaser. No, no, Cyclone's always a girl. Really? Yeah, oh, Cyclone okay. is a girl, and she's the descendant of Red Tornado. Now, the original uh, Golden Age Red Tornado is a woman, and it's a woman that has like like a fucking like teapot helmet on her head, or like a soup bowl helmet. And, and she has like she has like a wooden spoon or something too. It like she's she like four bush band? What's that? Was this like four bush band from uh what if? Oh yeah, there you go. It actually kind of is. It might have been an inspiration, but yeah, like she like it's just this weird fucking character. You gotta look up the golden age red tornado. It's like this woman, like she was like a housewife or something, and she decided to become a vigilante. And um, so she predates the robot red tornado oh wow yeah yeah yeah, okay, so yeah. Like, interesting yeah, okay she cyclone is uh her descendant 
Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, that that is literally a pot on her head. Yeah. Um, wow. And, and, okay. and so, you know, like Cyclone is, is like a good example. It's like one of those characters that that's like a descendant of a Golden Age character, and yet they have like a superpower. So like she's got the Cyclone powers, and then like you know like Black Canary is a descendant of the Silver uh, Golden Age Black Canary, and she's got her Sonic Scream. It's like kind of like the same thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so this director um, is Joe. I don't know how to pronounce his first name. J a u m e Jom Kole Sarah, and he directed uh, the House of Wax movie that was starring, uh, you know, Paris Hilton. Okay. And then he also directed Orphan, which I think is kind of a controversial horror movie, and The Shallows. Shallows. Wait, wait. Which is the? Is that the? I think it's the a sharp one. Movie? Believe so. I, yes. Yeah. Okay. I think so. The sharp one. Yeah. <laughs> And um, he also directed a whole bunch of those Liam Neeson action films, such as uh, Unknown, Nonstop, and Run All Night. Okay, I believe so. Yeah, and I saw um, I saw Nonstop too. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that that would be a good choice for a director of this movie. Um, you know, because the original, the director of um, the original Shazam movie and the sequel is uh, David S. Sandberg, and he directed a horror movie before he did Shazam too. Interesting. Okay. I, I think horror directors are a good choice for comic book movies. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're both genre films um, for the most part. And yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's kind of funny because we're talking about like all the different aspects behind this, this movie or like what's in it, but we're not talking about like what the trailer made us feel and stuff. Do you, do you think that this looks like this has potential based on the trailer? Um, yeah, I, like I already said twice, uh, and I'm sorry for repeating myself again, but um, I still would have preferred uh, introduction via Shazam. Um, but I'll take what I can get here. And I, I kind of like the idea that, um, y- you know, Dr. Fate gives that, that little speech towards the end. It's like, oh, I, I saw a vision, and you're either going to be the one to destroy the world or save it. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of going to be about him you know, as an anti-hero with his power, and he, he doesn't, he's not quite the best guy, uh, but, um, you know, he, he, I imagine he'll eventually will choose the side, choose good in the, in the end of it, but, um, you know, it, it's a, it's an anti-hero Superman, which, you know, everyone loves a, a Superman riff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he, um, th- another speech that's really great in the trailer is, um, when I think it's Hawkman that says to him, like, heroes don't kill. And then Black Adam's like, I do. I, yeah, 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 I like that. And then I love that scene where the guy, like, hits him with that pipe. And it just bends on his face. And he just, like, throws the guy into space, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that That's unique. I like when they do something that's, like, random that you haven't seen, you know? Yeah. Because otherwise everything else is kind of generic. I thought it was kind of cool when the people were, like, you know, open fire and they're like shooting all their machine guns and he like just kind of slowly lifts off the ground. I like that. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it looks great. Uh, you know, uh, the, the effects look great so far. You know, he, he catches the missile and throws that and everything. Um, slightly disappointed there's no cape. Um, it, it seems like he's going to have that hooded cloak thing, that, which looks kind of cool, but um, I don't know. You know, they were talking about having a movie where Black Adam, Superman, and uh, Shazam fight. And I don't I think Henry Cavill's Superman is gone from the DCEU. But, um, I mean, I'd, I'd be down for that. Well, then again, I've also heard rumors that they're, uh, the, 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 
the Warner Brothers Discovery merger, uh, the the new like people in charge that they kind of want to refocus and rally on Superman again. So uh, whether that's really? whether that's Henry Cavill or not or something new, um, you know, previously they kind of it seemed like they set in motion for uh, for the the Supergirl and the Flash movie to kind of take a spotlight. Yeah. Um, but you know, I know Henry Cavill is open to coming back for it. Uh, yeah. And I would like to see it. But if they decide to cast somebody else and go a different direction, I mean, maybe they just. I, I know that uh, one of the one of the executives, the new executive, is like he's just dissatisfied with the with where they are and the lack of foresight into planning all this out. You know. Yeah. It, I think everyone can agree that they're you know really lagging behind Marvel in that sense. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I they, mean, this movie. DCU right. is a discombobulated mess. Um, yeah, this, I would love to this, see. I would love to see the three of those characters in a movie. I, I don't know why they'd be fighting or how they would they would make it work, but yeah, I, I'm I'm down for it. Yeah, well, I mean, this is only the eleventh DCEU movie, whereas Marvel they're on like what, like thirty six or something, or, or is well, it like twenty? Yeah, close to thirty, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, but, I, but I think, about, think about the first ten Marvel movies, and and you know, the the quality of those compared to the quality of, of these ten or eleven, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, at I, least yeah. at least from a world building standpoint, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that by the tenth Marvel movie, I think you're already getting into like Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 definitely have Avengers by then, so. Yeah, yeah, and, and so uh, I think one last thing we should bring up talking about returning DCEU characters is uh, the flash good old Ezra Miller I don't know if we can go oh, a now. episode what did he do now what did he do now what did they do now the, the, the headline oh, they do now. you're right sorry no it's okay I, I said he too the, the the newest headline today's headline is parents claim Ezra Miller groomed their minor daughter by giving her drugs in bombshell court fil filing so uh, he's accused, or they're accused, of grooming a minor with LSD, alcohol, and lavish gifts. Oh boy, just fire this guy already! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I know. Refilm all this, refilm the scenes in the Flash. Yeah, make it look I, as I, terrible, I, terrible as they added added Henry Cavill scenes in Justice League, and just be done with it. Yeah, I, I feel like they are truly, truly trying to get out of this role, and they're like. Let me do whatever I can to, like, not be in this franchise. Um, maybe, maybe I, I don't know. I, I I think it probably is just it's just some person that's kind of left unchecked, and they're just kind of no one's telling them no. I mean, I guess yeah. they're telling them no now, but you know, he's not used to hearing it. And he just uh, they're not used to hearing it, and they're just uncontrollable. You know, um, yeah. I, I don't necessarily. I, I mean, I guess I imagine it's a shit ton of work to be in these movies, you know, to be to get the kind of shape you need to do, the hours you got to put in, the time you got to put in. Um, and I could definitely see people not wanting to do it, but I don't know. It's, it's a lot of money. It's 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 it's, uh, it's a big famous role. It's career defining for, for a lot of people, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. I it's think funny. that, like, I mean, I'm, I'm actually surprised that they didn't remove them from the movie yet but the idea of like giving something to a minor like giving lsd to a minor it's like come on at this yeah, point what are you doing you know 
Yeah, yeah. So that's a crazy note to end the show on for tonight. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, the problem with the, the the biggest problem here is is like this was his movie. He's literally in it as two different characters, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's like, how do you get around that? I, I know. I, yeah, you have to replace the actor twice. That's that's freaking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe they're gonna end up like shelving that movie altogether. If if the new Discovery people are really that focused on like getting Superman as to be the main guy and not have it be Supergirl, then maybe they're gonna just shelve this. But I mean, how are they gonna shelve a Michael Keaton yeah. returning as Batman movie? Yeah, that's that's the most disappointing part of it. If they if they would shelve it, but um, yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out. All right, well, Brian and I have to go because we have to go watch some more episodes of The Boys because we're going to be covering Young Justice and The Boys coming up real soon. But if you guys join us next week, we will be back here for episode five of Obi-Wan and uh, episode two of Ms. Marvel. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you have not liked and subscribed, please do. And we will see you guys real soon. All right.